one. Hello, everyone. This is your host, JML, bringing back the JML for Real podcast. Tonight, we are going to be having some fun and we are going to be breaking down the AFC West. Yes, we're in the middle of our divisional series. We're breaking down a division each and every single week. Oh, actually, we're breaking down two of them a week. This week, you're going to be getting hit with the AFC West and the NFC West. And tonight, my co-host is coming back, Joshua Rarig. How are you doing on this lovely evening? I'm doing very well, sir. It's, uh, the weather has turned quite nicely here in New England, and I'm quite enjoying it. What about you? Oh, honestly, I mean, I don't know if we're talking about the same weather, but the weather has officially gotten too hot for me at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I think, we, I think we saw 91 today. I was pretty yeah, excited we, about it. We it. saw 91 today, too, and uh, that's what has me not excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny yeah. how you, it's funny how two people can drastically disagree on something when the facts are the same, right? It is. Uh, I actually think that's going to be a good segue right? into it's, our uh, breakdown see, that, for That's night. a great setup for the AFC West show, right? <laughs> two good teams and two dumpster fires. And you know what's funny? I don't even, uh, I know right off the bat we're going to disagree because I don't think there's two dumpster fires. Oh, yeah, we definitely are going to disagree. Yeah, so it sounds like we're definitely going to be arguing about the Denver Broncos. So, (laughs) Oh, my goodness, we really will be because the team I would say is borderline not a dumpster fire is the Raiders. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, Definitely looking forward to this show. We are going to clash quite a bit tonight. This is going to be a fun a fun sequence of events, but uh, yeah. So, cause I know last, last time Josh was on, he made a very bold prediction that both the NFL MVP and the comeback player of the year are in this division and they're on the same team. So, uh, you know, just for some filler in there, I'm sure we'll get to that pretty soon. I've already guessed who it is, but you know, I'll wait for you guys. Uh, maybe if, uh, you know, make your guesses on what his predictions are before uh, we get around to them. Okay, so uh, first, want to give a shout out to the fans at the beginning of the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, you've actually, over the course of the last couple of days, our audience has very much expanded. So thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time. Um, right now, the NFC East is trending as our most popular episode, and uh, the AFC East has only been out for a couple of days as, as of this point in time. And I'm sure by the time this show is released that uh, – we, we will be seeing an AFC East show that is uh, just as popular as the NFC East show. So uh, thank you for those who are tuning in. Please, if you enjoy the show, remember to give it a rating on Apple or Google. We, we really appreciate that. Five stars are welcome. It's what helps get us good uh, sponsors and promotional partners. And I just want to give a huge shout out to our promotional partner right now, Anchor by Spotify. And uh, yeah, just continue to tell them how much of a great job they are doing and uh, just give them a huge shout out they host they publish and distribute this podcast and they do it all for free and they do a great job with it we are seeing growth and this is only our uh through only five episodes released this is our sixth episode it is the afc west show and let us get started we are gonna dive right in and as luck would have it alphabetically first is the denver broncos so it'll be denver broncos kansas city Chiefs. (laughs) Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, yeah, I like so. it. Um, I do want to point out, though, I have uh, I've been getting some hate and some Facebook messages from people 
that really disagree with uh, my breakdown of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, so, so it tells me that at least Cowboy fans and uh, Mike McCarthy supporters are still as big of crybabies as they've always been. Oh, a- anyone I know? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, you know, you should ask uh, one of your former co-hosts, Stephen Shukas, there how much he disagrees with our assessment of the Dallas Cowboys sometimes. Well, we had different assessments of the Dallas Cowboys, to be fair. He thinks the Dallas – I will call him out for this right now so you have a public record. Ethan Shukas believes the Dallas Cowboys are winning the NFC East. Winning the NFC East. Winning I mean, the they, NFC they better East. be prepared to go 13-4 and four because I'm feeling really good about that 12-5 and five Washington football team. Oh, me too. I think that they're stacked uh, – we, we talked about it before, but I, I just don't see there be, being that, that hard of a team to, or that easy of a team to get past. But easy teams to get past, this Denver Broncos team, if they don't get uh, the trade worked out for Aaron Rodgers. I see. Yeah, I don't see it at all. What about that defense is easy to get past? We'll, we'll start at the top. That, that yeah. defense is going to be an easy top five defense this year. And it might be one of the only defenses in the league that poses a serious threat to the long distance passing game and to and to passing games as a whole. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the Broncos can still be run on by an elite running back. But by the end of the season, with the development of Patrick Sertan and with the addition of Kyle Fuller playing the Fangio system and all the additions that the Broncos made to that secondary, I honestly think this is the type of secondary that will be holding Mahomes and Herbert. It, assuming that they get them in the last one third of the season, I think they can mm-hmm. hold Mahomes and Herbert to under 300 yards passing in a game. That's great. Do you think they hold those teams under 14 points? Okay. See, now this is why. Okay. I'm not predicting the Broncos to be a playoff team. I'm not predicting them to hold a team under 14 points because. Obviously, Austin Eckler is still there. Right, and that offense, but that offense is not going to be able to score them three touchdowns. And uh, yes, uh, my my whole thing with the Broncos is the defense. You're absolutely right that the offense has nothing unless somehow uh, Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon uh, become a really legitimate two-headed monster and somehow Drew Locke is able to throw the ball just enough to prevent the crowding of a eight to nine man box, because there's a chance that this Broncos passing game is bad enough to get a nine man box. And if that happens, yes, the Broncos have no hope whatsoever, but I I wouldn't call a team a dumpster fire when there's a chance that they will have the best passing defense by the end of the year. I I will put it to you this way. I, you know, we both heard her to talk and you wrote a good piece for it on, uh, the what it's wide world of sports right that's i don't want to mess it up on you i i write for world in sport sorry world in sports i went to an espn catchphrase i'm sorry no worries Um, yeah which by the way world in sport is now rated as the uh 22nd top uh sporting sport blogging system in the world oh wow that's actually very impressive when you consider how many are out there yeah no it's it is pretty impressive they're they released their top 100 list today and i I just got that notification from my boss uh, about an hour ago. And yeah, no, it's super exciting to be a part of that. I write their NFL articles for them. So, uh, you know, this doesn't include 
places like ESPN, uh, Fox, uh, you know, Fox Sports, uh, CBS Sports or anything like that. It's sports blogging systems. But, you know, it's it's still a high honor. So congratulations to World in Sport. Absolutely. So what I was what I'm saying, though, is you wrote a great piece for them about the uh, noise versus facts type article where you broke down that you don't really think that Aaron Rodgers is leaving. And I would say that the reason that I don't like the Aaron Rodgers trade for them is because I think even if they got Aaron Rodgers, they're still not very good. So I just think that Denver's offense is so bad. And I feel bad saying it, you know, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, those guys are real talents. And unfortunately for them, their talents. I, I like best Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick too, to be completely honest. I, I hate that offensive line there. And I really don't like Drew Locke. You know, the offensive line leaves much to be desired. And, and the quarterback situation might be the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. Is there a worst one? I'm trying to think for a moment. I don't know one. To be completely fair, I I can't get that off of my head. Yeah, I'm just going through. Like, there's definitely quarterback situations that could end up worse. Right, um, but not that are like unequivocally. You look at it at this very moment and say that's the worst situation. Yeah, I'm not. Man, because you know what's going to happen. Someone's going to tell us after the show, you definitely forgot this team. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, no, that's obvious. That's a no-brainer. But off the top of my head, I can't think of that team right now. Let me ask you this. And this is, you know, could get could get us in a little bit of trouble here. Would you rather have Drew Locke or Blake Bortles? Oh, man. See, that's the thing. You're actually, like, that's where I went to get to. I was hoping that this would be the answer you gave me because you didn't really have to give me an answer to, for me for my point to work. Well, I don't, I don't know fact, enough about Drew Locke, but he doesn't have the promising upside that a Jalen Hurts or a Tua Tagovailoa has. Like, yeah, those two guys fact. are mysteries, but those two guys right, have they tremendous are. upside. Drew Locke does not have that upside, and he has just as much, if not more, mystery. Right. And, but the fact is, you didn't have an answer. You didn't right off the top of your head say, Drew Locke. You know, because well, it's not an easy question to answer. I feel like if we looked at somebody else, right, and we said, would you rather have, you know, pick any other quarterback in the league or Blake Bortles, you're going to know which quarterback you want. With you the know exception funny? of like a Mitch Trubisky you know, type quarterback, you know. I don't uh, see at first I was a lot more high on the uh, the Denver Broncos than I am over the course of this last week. And the reason why my opinion of the Broncos has dropped within the last week, because when when I rated the top 10 teams in the uh, the top 10 most improved teams in the NFL, I actually had the Denver Broncos on the list. But when I did that article, I was going under the assumption that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the quarterback. I don't even think right. Drew Locke is the best quarterback on his team, yet it looks like Denver's committed to making Drew Locke the quarterback. Or yeah, Denver they, still thinks they're going to make Aaron Rodgers the quarterback, which, honestly, I don't see it. Yeah, I honestly think if they if they can pull off an Aaron Rodgers trade, but th that's going to have to be entirely draft capital. 
right? Draft capital plus Teddy Bridgewater returning back to the Packers. And I just don't I don't see that it, it being worth it, you know? No, I don't see it being worth it either because well, we have some good free agent quarterbacks next year. Now, uh, before we break down the team even further, um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, we, we are going to break this team apart quite a bit because of the situation on the line and the quarterback. But the Broncos have set themselves up to be super competitive in the future uh, beyond a season because you never know what the quarterback picture next offseason is going to look like. The Broncos, if things don't go right for them this season, they're going to go bad for them this season. You know, that, that's, that's just the truth. So they'll have a high enough pick. Who knows? Maybe they can get a, uh, their quarterback of the future in the draft. Maybe they, their situation, when the defense proves itself this season and the run game proves itself this season, they're going to become a very appealing, appealing place for a free agent quarterback. Wouldn't you agree with that? I would. Um, I do think ultimately you, if you ask a free agent quarterback, if they'd like to have KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, they would. The problem is they've got to invest substantially in an offensive line there. Otherwise any free agent quarterback you bring in is risking a career ending injury at a much higher level, you know? Yeah, no, this uh, offensive line, I I didn't realize it was as bad as it was until I started looking over it. And I don't know linemen names uh, to to the greatest extent, but I, I know enough to get by. And when I look mm-hmm. up and down this line of uh, Garrett Bowles and Dalton Reisner, uh, Cushenberry, Lloyd Cushenberry, Graham Glasslaw, like these are names that I'm not familiar with at all. Maybe I should be. Um, but honestly, I'm looking up and down that line. The only connotation that I have with any of them is, is a negative connotation. So, um, yeah, right. so it's not. Um, oh, that's it's interesting that the Broncos are actually, according to uh, the, the depth chart that I'm looking at right now, the Broncos are going to be putting two running backs on the field at the same time. That probably will change. That might not be accurate, but uh, Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon are both being listed as starters, interestingly enough. And I mean, but that's even like, let's look at that, right? And realistically ask Melvin Gordon. Is yeah, right. What he is Melvin Gordon, what he, I don't know. I don't know how to word this because I still think Melvin Gordon's a talent. And I don't want to make it sound like I don't think he's talented. If Melvin Gordon is sitting there, uh, if you're playing fantasy football, Melvin Gordon is sitting there in the fourth round and you have a chance to get Melvin Gordon or. Um, let's pick out a good wide receiver. Who's a wide receiver that might be available in the fourth round? You think? Uh, I think you. Um, I think you go look at this team and say Jared Judy is still probably a fourth round. Wide do receiver, you think right? Kenny Galladay is still available in the fourth round? Uh, depends on where. Where I think Kenny Galladay is one that's going to depend on your te- on the teams that the people enjoy. I think Giants fans are going to reach for Kenny Galladay. Okay, so let me say Wait. this: Melvin Gordon yeah. still available in the fourth round of your fantasy draft there is more than likely a wide receiver that you'll take over him. Exactly. In, I don't think that's just the line. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think it's just that crap line that they've established. I think when you, and I do think you saw this when Zeke and with Zeke a little bit, but I think sitting out, man, it, it hurts you long-term. You, you lose a step when you're just sitting around and you saw the videos of Zeke though. 
right? You, do you remember those videos of uh, him down yeah. in Cancun, like working out like crazy? Yeah, and I, I remember the uh, joke videos where, where, where the really, really big guys were trying to make Zeke moves uh, on yeah. obstacle courses. It was, it was pr- pretty freaking hilarious. But and, you know, hats off to those big guys, because I am one of those big guys who will make a video of myself doing Zeke moves. <laughs> but did you see those types of things out of Melvin Gordon when he was sitting out? Uh, honestly, I thought that Melvin Gordon turned it on late last year, but he did have a slow start to the season. Uh, I you know like what? Melvin, let me I, let me make yeah. sure that I'm not. In, let me make sure I'm right with that, though. Here, let's uh, look up some Melvin Gordon stats really quick. But yeah, definitely, definitely the the age is an issue. The the fact that he took time off when he probably shouldn't have taken time off. A lot, a lot of running backs don't come back from uh, doing that extended delay. And uh, running backs need to stay in prime physical shape the whole offseason. It's not like, and I'm not saying that players don't have to as a whole, but a running mm-hmm. back that does not stay in shape the whole offseason is definitely going to pay the price quicker because of how physically demanding their position is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that um, I, I just don't see him having a great, great year with that team. Okay, he had, so he had two games all of last year where he rushed for more than 100. Yeah, no, this is not looking. This is actually looking consistently mediocre. So he right, had because you look at you look at what he did, right? He had nine touchdowns. <clears throat> that that number sounds okay when you're looking at a running back, especially with that kind of a team. But then you look and you see that he went and he had one, then he didn't have a single touchdown for three for two weeks, gets two, then gets another one, then he goes four weeks without a touchdown, gets two, goes three weeks without a touchdown, gets two. And you know something that I'm looking at that's even more concerning? He didn't have any more receiving yards than 23 any given week mm-hmm. last year. And he had had a lot of games. He had three consecutive games in which he had no receptions whatsoever. He had four games in which he didn't catch a pass at all. So Melvin Gordon at this point in time is only a two down back. And he's not even. Honestly, we we were talking about a fourth round with Melvin Gordon. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't draft Melvin Gordon. I'm just saying that. I wouldn't draft Melton Gordon. How many? And if you he's know, sitting I'm there gonna... in the sixth round, I'm probably <laughs> going with another wide receiver or a running back that has that's that that's that's a um, minimal hype, high upside over him. So out of his games last year, right? Played sixteen or. Yeah, he played all games. but one. He played all but yeah. one game. So played 15 games. How many games would are, are you looking at his stat column? So it's going to be unfair. But he, sorry, ESPN started playing a video and I got confused for a second. No worries. He, only, he, had, he had nine games where he saw fewer than 15 touches. And in those nine games, four of those are games where he went without a single reception. I'm losing audio on you, man. Sorry about that. Is this a little better? Yeah, that's better. 
Unless you're talking right now. Are you talking right now? Uh, yeah, now I'm talking. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Cool. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, yeah, what I was saying was that he went he – he had nine games where he had fewer than 15 receptions. And in those games, he four of those games, he went without a catch. Yeah, no, I'm looking over this, and I, I guess that I'm simply remembering – you know what it was? I probably watched that Denver-Kansas City game. Yep. And I probably watched that uh, Raiders-Chargers game. And because those two games, he had, he had very good games. Mm-hmm. And I probably just wasn't aware – of how bad he was last year because I only ever watched him when he played against the New York Jets and when he played in his division. And somehow he actually did much better against most against his divisional opponents than he did against uh, most of the rest. So, and actually that's not even a true statement either because he also had poor games versus those divisional opponents too. I probably watched Melvin Gordon's only three good games last year and was basing him (laughs) off of that. And, this is just kind of shocking that I'm looking. Uh, this might be much worse for the Broncos offense than, than I thought it was. Uh, I mean, don't get well, me wrong. Me after we, after we ha- have our way with this offense, I do want to praise that defense a little more, but at the same yep. time. Um, well, I just have one last point that I really want to bring up about Melvin Gordon before people start jumping on me for, for not liking him this year. Last year, when we look at his stats for last year, Melvin Gordon had nine touchdowns, both receiving and passing, or yeah. receiving and rushing. He had four fumbles that he lost. He had four lost fumbles. Anytime that a guy gets that close in number, I just I feel scared for his team. You know, that's four lost fumbles. Yeah. I don't – I'm not even going to look up that the number is, uh, of how many total fumbles he had. That's not good at all. <laughs> no, because I'm assuming that he had a few fumbles there that he recovered or his team recovered for him. So I just, I think that's scary, man. And their defense is good, though. I, I'm going to say that I, I do enjoy that defense. See, but you know I, what it is? I, I love watching defensive football so much more than offensive football. I didn't, I didn't really. I didn't really let it sink in how bad this Broncos offense was. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Daddy Bridgewater can get them some points, but at, at the same time, you know, when you look at that line, when you look at the age dot running back, unless Javonta Williams is really turning it on right from the beginning, which I think that I, I like Javonta Williams, but I could also see a situation to where there's eight men in the box and no rookie running back wants eight men in the box. Right. You know, you you should have to earn eight men in the box. And there's a chance that he's just going to be given it right from the start because of the rest, because of the state of the rest of that offense. And the crazy thing is these weapons are good. Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Noah Fant, like Tim Patrick, KJ Hamlet, like, a quarterback would love those weapons, but this is this is a no dice here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just not good in my opinion. And 
you know, then you got to look at other places where they're going to be able to make it up. And I, I don't see a, a place on their roster where they're, they're making it up. You know, there, there's nothing on their roster anywhere outside of some of their defensive players that you look at and you're like, Oh my goodness, that guy's great. Well, you know, when, when I look at the defensive side, I, I do see a lot of that guy's great though. Like when, when you look at that secondary and we've talked about a few really good secondaries so far up to this point in time, we we've talked about Washington strong secondary. We've talked about Buffalo strong secondary, but when, when I look at this secondary, knowing that Vic Fangio is the coach and the style of player that he likes, you know, that really physical cornerback. And I see uh, Patrick Sertan, and I see that they also brought in Kyle Fuller, who was a monster with uh, Fangio in Chicago. He really developed him there. When I see Ronald Darby, and then I, on top of it, still see Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson at safety. Is that... I know I'm not insane for thinking that's a top five secondary in the league. Am I insane for thinking that's the best secondary in the league? Yes. But uh, over who? We talked about it last week. I I honestly believe, and you're going to disagree, I think, probably, obviously. I think Washington's front five is so good that they're going to bring the secondary right along with it. Okay, but. First things first, I asked, am I insane for thinking that? I was, I just heard, am I insane? And I instantly answered, yes. I okay. And let's, let's pretend for a moment. And I know this isn't real, mm-hmm. but let's pretend for a moment that Denver's secondary was playing with Washington's front line and compare that to Washington's front line playing with Washington's secondary. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great. Right? In that situation, Denver secondary is better. So just simply taking the unit separately and mm-hmm. not factoring in the rest of the defense, which uh, we are going to factor in the rest of this Broncos defense uh, a- after we just look at the secondary. Standalone, it's probably the best secondary in the league. Do you, do you disagree with that? No, I... I, I do like their defense. I, I like their secondary. But, man, I think where you're going to see stats that I, I know you're not going to love hearing this because you are a defensive guy. But when a defense is on the field as much as theirs is going to have to be on the field this year, this the stats aren't going to be there for them. Yeah, I know. And that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to build this up right now uh, as a whole because – I think when you judge this Broncos defense at the end of the year, you're going to have to judge them more by first uh, first half stats than you are by second half stats. But I think there's a great chance that uh, versus a lot of teams in the league, and I get it, they're in a division with Mahomes and uh, Herbert, but against a lot of teams in the league, I think that they could realistically limit them to under 10 points before halftime. And honestly, I think they could realistically limit both the Chargers and the Chiefs to under two score uh, to two scores or less by halftime too. Like, would you be shocked if uh, the Chiefs went into halftime beating the Denver Broncos 14-0? No, but I also wouldn't be shocked if at the end of that game, you're, you're looking at something like 35 nothing. But that's not the Broncos' defense fault. That's the Kansas. That's the Broncos' offense. Uh, this is fault, you know. Yeah. 
But, you know, when I look, because one of the reasons why I really want people to look at it now and is because they need to be judged on separately from the offense also, because this team has, this, this defense has all the potential to, to be elite. It's just, it won't get the opportunity as much because of the offense. When you look at the line, you still have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. If they play a healthy season together, which I know is a big if, and uh, Mike Purcell is, is a really good nose tackle. And when you look at that linebacker core, they all fit that Fangio system really well. Even the new guy, uh, Baron Browning, who's not going to be starting yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if he loses, if he takes that job from Josie Jewell before the end of the year. And Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell are obviously both great linebackers. Like I could see great things for this. And I, I do admit that it will wear down as games go on, but they have some decent depth on the defense. So maybe it won't be quite as bad, but you're right. That offense really needs to score points in order for them to be able to do anything. And I don't see where those points are coming from unless they make a full 180 and they decide to go to Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke. And even then the line's not going to help too much. Yeah. I think Bron- I think the Broncos will be competitive for two thirds of a football game almost every week though. Yeah, the way I'm going to look at the Broncos, and this is how I'm probably planning on looking at it for the beginning of the season, is if I'm getting seven and a half, if I'm getting seven and a half or more, I will I will go ahead and take the Broncos to cover. You know, I, I just won't ever take them to win. Yeah, I I could really picture this being the type of team that has just way too many 17 to seven or 14 to three losses this year. Hmm. Yeah, that I, I could too. So, and that's even, you know, that's even in the division they're in, like, but yeah, I, there's really not much more to say about them right now. No, uh, I guess we should, this is being done before the AFC North show, uh, NFC North shows being released. So I'll just give one final disclaimer as to why I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Bronco. And it's, it's pretty simple. Rodgers hasn't come out and said it directly on social media in an interview clip. The Packers have not uh, have said quite the opposite. They they've said they are not trading Aaron Rodgers when, when there's no proof that something will probably happen then it prob then it won't happen mm. that's my simple case there um that will be touched on more in the nfc north show which will be uh the week after this one so uh, tune into that you only have to wait a week you'll hear the whole breakdown with that i did that with uh mr Graydon cochran who will be featured for the first time so but beyond that, uh, that that's the one one of the reasons. So we're assuming that the Broncos are not going to be playing with Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, if you want to assume that the Aaron Rodgers is going to the Broncos, knock yourself out. You'll, you'll see how right I am in the fall. <laughs> no, I, I as much as I want him to leave, so that it hurts one of my one of my good friends that's a Packers fan and it'll break his heart. So I'm rooting for him to head out. Um, I, he'll be there. There's just the market's just not there. You know, had he announced that he wanted to go before, you know, we saw guys like Matt Stafford leave. I, I really think there would have been a good market for him. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not 100% sure Rogers will be in green Bay. 
I'm just saying he won't be anywhere else. So I'm not I'm not ready to make a prediction at all on whether Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, enough time on the Denver Broncos, who really are just kind of a blip on the on the radar of the AFC West. Uh, I know that in theory, alphabetically, Kansas City Chiefs come next, but we're just going to get the other team out of the way first before we d- uh, devote the second half of the show to the Chiefs and the Chargers. Is that okay with you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's not much to say about this team. Uh, the Las <laughs> Vegas Raiders. Now, first things first, I know that uh, th- there have been some comments sent my way about uh, being way too much of a Raider hater. It- it's it's kind of true to an extent, but I will give Raiders fans some props. This team isn't nearly as bad as <laughs> as I've taken shots at <laughs> the last few weeks. It's just you have to admit you don't have a very likable team. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and uh, I know that <laughs> I'm about to say you as the fans aren't likable. As a matter of fact, Raiders fans, I have much respect for the black hole. Like I, I love you guys, but at the same time, it's, you have Josh Jacobs saying stupid stuff and doing stupid stuff on social media later last year. You have the whole history with Al Davis you have uh, Chucky, who's always in a bad mood and is making all sorts of very questionable uh, decisions during drafts and even during games. And I don't know. It, it's it's kind of hard to root for, but I will give you props. You, you're not as bad as I joke around with, with you being. Uh, they have some nice moves that they picked up in the offseason. Now, first things first, this doesn't make the Raiders relevant this year. No. Because you're in a division with the Chargers and the Chiefs. So unless you're prepared to really, unless you're prepared to really go out and, I don't know, go 13 and four, take take third place in that division, when oh, I, I'm not predicting that. But, um, but at the same time, it's, you, you have an uphill battle. 11 wins probably is not going to get you into the playoffs in this AFC. Right. Like 11 and six is not going to be good enough. Do I think the Raiders could be an 11 and six or a 10 and 17? I actually think there is a chance that the Raiders could be. I don't, that's not in the playoffs. So, um, so when, when I look at everything, I, I love the pickup of uh, Trevin Morig. Uh, Alex Leatherwood on second thought when actually looking through everything and studying videos, videos and whatnot actually wasn't as bad of a first round pick as everyone made it out to be. So let's, let's start, let's start with that offense first though. And uh, we'll, we'll start at the top, but, but which top are we going to start at? Are we going to start with Chucky? Or are we going to start with Derek Carr? Uh, I, I guess, uh, I guess Derek Carr, who in interest of four disclosure, I'm just going to refer to his car for the rest of the time here because I will inevitably refer to him as David Carr. I don't know why I do it. I just mix up him and his brother. And I just, you know, don't want to get made fun of for it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Interesting fact for you, though. His brother has the uh, single-season sack record. I'm not sure if you knew that. Oh, that's pretty impressive. I did not know that. He, he was sacked more times in one season than any NFL quarterback ever. Yeah, no, that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty sad for him. <laughs> I mean, he's the I'm sure was... some of that was on him, but uh, 
I'm sure that also reflects a very bad offensive line. Yeah, it was uh, the Houston Texans expansion season. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, and he's still at that at this point, he's going to go down in history as the most notable Clark brother. Yep. I mean, the it's bad. Um, why haven't they given up on him? One more time. Sorry, why haven't they given up on on Car yet? I don't know. I mean, what we'll, we'll do some quick defense for him really quick. According to Next Gen Stats and Analytics, Derek Carr is actually one of the top two quarterbacks in the league for throwing the deep ball, with the other being Danny Dimes, who we discussed last time you were on the show. Yep. But beyond that, um, Carr is not going to – with okay, with the great defense, Carr – might be able to get you that that Super Bowl title. Uh, but we're talking about the legendary defense. Like, I'm not saying that Carr is worse than Trent Dilfer. I'm not saying I'm I'm not going to go through and compare Carr to uh, quarterbacks that won as a result of a defense. I will say this, though. Carr is not going to be the reason why you win. His... And we've seen him be a mediocre quarterback for just way too long. I And we've seen Chucky continue to praise him, like saying how th- that's the strong arm quarterback he always wanted the first time around. Well, you know, when he came into the league, re- you remember when Chucky came in uh, back into the league and he had all that praise for Derek Carr and Derek Carr still is that man down the field. It's just his game is lacking so many different ways and, I get it. He seems to do a little better in prime time than he does a normal week. But honestly, there's weeks where he's just flat out the reason they lost. Um, it is time for them to move on. Now, the question is, is the guy who they're moving on to already on the roster? Just so we're on the same page, who are you saying that is? Marcus Mariota. Yeah, Um Will Derek Carr lose his job to Marcus Mariota this year? I'm interested. I thought he lost his job to Marcus Mariota last year. I thought when Mariota came in for them, when Carr went down, I thought he was better. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know why they're – I really cannot fathom what their obsession is with trying to make Derek Carr work. So do you think Derek Carr will be the reason Chucky loses his job? Or is Chucky's job just way too secure as long as he keeps on getting 500 seasons? Because remember, despite the fact that uh, uh, there's not a lot of reports that are saying great things about the Raiders, Raiders were a 500 team last year. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's... It's kind of where they are because you assigned a ten, you assigned a guy to a ten-year, one hundred million dollar guaranteed contract. They're going. They would have to at this point, and that was two years ago. At this point, in order to fire John Gruden, they would have to give him a cash buyout of eighty million dollars. Was that only two years ago? I thought it was three. It, oh yeah, I just forgot that it's twenty twenty-one. For some reason, something happened in twenty twenty, and I lost track of the year. I guess. yeah it was three years ago so they would pay him they would have to give him a cash buyout of 70 million dollars to go away 
I, I where does the hope come from? Because as long as Chucky's, as long as Chucky has to get paid money, he's going to be there. Significant right. money, he's going to be there. As long as he's there, he's probably not going to move on from Derek Carr, even when he has a better quarterback and Marcus Mariota on the team. This, we're not going to compare him to Bill O'Brien or anything. <laughs> See, see how I got it in this time. Yeah, but it's masterful. But uh, is this starting to reek of Adam Gase? I think what you do is you tell John Gruden you want him to build, build what he did in Tampa, and you let him go win you a Super Bowl on the defensive side of the football. Because if he I think if you build him a defense like you had down there, you're going to get the ring out of of Carr. You're going to get – you'll get it. Carr and Jacobs uh, with Waller, that's enough with a good defense to get the ring. Yeah, but, you know, just jump to the defense for a minute. This defense is far from being elite. Oh, yeah, you're going to – it's going to take time. And that's where I think that actually the Wayne Cook-Gurnitz contract plays in favor of the Raiders. Because I think in, if you give him three or four years, you let him draft. And you, you tell him to just put defense. You're like, John, just go get us defense. I think it'll be okay. Yeah, but the, the problem is, yeah, I, and I get it when Gruden won his Super Bowl back in, uh, what was it, 2003, maybe 2004. Yeah. Uh, it was after it was after the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers beat the Raiders the following year. That was a defense that Gruden inherited. That's that wasn't a gr- defense that Gruden built. Like he inherited the uh, the Warren Saps and the why can't I remember anyone else? Derek Brooks. Yeah, I mean you, you got to look at Barber. the guy coach the guy coach Mike Oslot for what six years? Yeah. Have him run a fullback loaded offense again. You know, the league is, and I, I think we see this a lot. Well, I mean, they have one of the best fullbacks in the league. The, quick shout out. This is the first time we've mentioned a fullback on this show. Uh, Alec Ingold is, I get it that uh, uh, Q-Check is amazing and everything, but Alec Ingold is a monster fullback who actually is relevant in today's NFL. And honestly, I, I love him. And this is going to sound awful when I, oh, that's, I'm not sure I want to say something that is going to get the praise of Raider fans and annoy 49er fans at the same time, but uh, I'm just going to say it. Give me some in gold over some uh, Q check. I was actually going to say he's borderline draftable as a fullback. Um, borderline. <laughs> borderline draftable. I, I, you know, he's not, I mean, he's unstartable, but he's, but he, but he's draftable. If you have to draft every player on your team. Right. And, you know, some leagues, you know, are insane. Um, but yeah. I do think I do think when we look at this, though, right, we have to say we've seen it, you know, the last couple of years in San Francisco when the Texans put J.J. Watt in as fullback. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the league does not know how to defend a fullback anymore. It's just they're so obsolete as a position that the entire rest of the league no longer understands how to defend against fullback. Yeah. Use it. Use him. Let the big guy be the big guy. Um, let him bully some people. Take you up those those two, three yards you need. Instead of handing the ball off to Josh Jacobs, who's going to try to be elusive. 
And, you know, the difference between the college game and the NFL game is pretty easily explainable just by the running backs that the guys that were able to burn out, you know, 20 yards to carry, you know, consistently during the season, you can't do that in the NFL. These linebackers, and they're, they're all too fast. Josh yeah. Gordon or Josh Jacobs is not that much faster than a linebacker. Josh Jacobs is a solid running back who is not as elite as most people give him the, the praise for. When I, I would look, say yes. When you look at what he does, he has some weeks where he's as good as any other running back in football. And then he has yeah. weeks where he just doesn't show up whatsoever. And it's not always because there was an eight man line because, you know, because the truth is you still have to defend the deep ball against Eric Carr and you still have to defend Darren Waller. And, you, you know, you look through the Raiders weapons on offense, though, they're though they're not great that you have some very situational talent like uh, Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro. And then you have to, that Darren Waller you have to worry about. So Jacobs isn't going to see a ton of eight-man boxes because of the potential at offense. Though this year, without the legitimate deep threat, maybe um, maybe he will. I don't know. Um, so, while we're on I mean, Jacobs I, right now, though, yeah, we got yep. Kenyon Drake sitting on right behind him right now. Do we think that Kenyon Drake is going to eat into a fair amount of Josh Jacobs' carries? No. What about the third downs? <laughs> Third downs, probably. Um, the reason I'm saying no, just flat out. Oh, I agree with you as far as the carries. I think that... When was the last time we saw a good Kenyon Drake? What was that? When was the last time we saw a good, worth talking about Kenyon Drake? Honestly? Oh, man. I've never been the hugest Kenny Drake believer. Yeah, I think somehow he puts on just enough brilliant showcases a year that people forget that he's not that good. He is a decent pass catcher, though. He is, but so is Rex Burkhead. Okay, fair fair enough. But, um, you know, the question isn't whether or not uh, he's going to take the job from Jacobs. It's the, the question is, is he going to take away some touches from Jacobs? Mainly being the pass game touches. I yeah maybe, um, maybe there. I I just see we just talked about the Broncos and we're you're, we'll get to the Chiefs. I, I'm assuming you're talking about them at the end here. Yeah, we're gonna do but, the Chiefs and the Chargers as the last two. But what defense do you see here? And this is where I'm a Josh Jacobs fantasy owner. I made the move to buy Josh Jacobs. Also, to be fair, you did buy uh, when the market was lower as opposed to higher. So it's not, right. uh, you know, I, I, see I, I, your, I see your strategy there. You're just hoping that it works out. Part of it is relying on a, on a flip of a coin, though. Right. I'm just going to say what defense in the NFC or sorry, what defense in the AFC West? Do you see them, be, the Las Vegas Raiders still being in a run situation in the fourth quarter? I don't see it. I and I I don't see them running the ball a lot because I don't I think that they're gonna have to be trying to score. I think that uh I think that versus the Denver Broncos that Carr is going to 
actually, you, you want to know where the Broncos wins are coming from? They're, they're coming from multi-turnover, David, uh, not David, Derek Carr games. Uh, you did it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and it's funny because um, I didn't even remember David Carr at the beginning of the show. But because you brought him up, you, 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 you tripped me up. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could help. Um, yeah. I, I honestly think that that's where the um, I think that that's where the Broncos are getting their two wins from. Well, honestly, they could get more wins too. It, it just comes down to how many of these quarterbacks they're going to multi turnover and score on themselves. Yeah, no, I'm saying that that's uh, that is two that I'm just going to pencil in for the Broncos. Yeah. So really, when it comes down to it. Uh, and we all know games in which defenses score don't stay close in the fourth quarter. <laughs> right. So there's a great chance that Josh Jacobs is relevant versus uh, Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake is relevant against none of his divisional opponents in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Josh Jacobs is still a really good running back. Having a, a, a backup like Kenyon Drake who can take some of the third down reps, I think does make uh, Jacobs even that much better. But at the same time, it's one of those things where that run game isn't going to that run game is wildly inconsistent and it isn't going to win you games on a weekly basis in a division where there's no room for error in an AFC right. where there's no room for error. The, the, the West, not the West, the the North is going to be fighting to get three teams in. The East is going to be fighting to get three teams in all 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 six of those teams are better than the Raiders. Yes. And, you know, th the South has two teams that uh, the South has two teams that both very much deserve to be in there. So it's one of those things where, you know, the, the, the odd man out is coming somewhere when, when you when you look through and you realize that just by the share numbers alone, that the Patriots, the Dolphins, the, uh, the Colts, the Titans, the Ravens, the Steelers and the um, Browns one of them is not making the playoffs already. Raiders really are just don't have the run game, don't have the pass game to be in that company. They are they are the tier, they are the team that's just behind that company that is two games out of the playoff spot. Hmm. And I'm sure there's Jets and Jaguars fans out there that say, "Hey, we're better than the Raiders." Oh yeah, I mean why would the Jets and Jaguars fans be feeling that way right now, right? Right. We, I mean, we talked about it last night, and I, I was kind of being facetious a little bit. But And I think there's a lot to it. When you watch Zach Wilson with it, interacting with that offensive line right now, yeah, you, you see that the Jets have something they've needed. I know I wasn't on your AFC East show, and uh, I'm not going to take too much of your time about it, but you ask me a young team with a young receiving core that I want. And I can't, I can't find another young wide receiving core that I'd rather have than the York Jets for. Oh, I, I'm still shocked at the, at the high praise that Jets get all the time. But at, at the same time, I'm just, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping for the best at this point. <laughs> so let's talk about that uh, Raiders defense. Uh, one more quick shout out to that Raiders offensive line first. The, the offensive line is pretty good if the skilled players can get their crap figured out, right? Right. Like when you look at Richie Incognito, you see Denzel good. 
Alex Weatherwood, uh, Leatherwood should actually convert to a really good NFL tackle. I, I like the line. It's I just don't like the management of this team. So I'm going to throw one statement out here. I'm not going to, I don't want to talk about it, because, but uh, the implication will be there for your listeners that understand it for the whole one listener that probably gets it. Um, okay. Darren Waller is equal to baseball's Josh Hamilton. And that's, I'm just going to leave it out there for your one listener. Cause it's a, it's a controversial statement. I shouldn't make it, but uh, I just want to leave it out there for the one guy that knows who Josh Hamilton is. Josh Hamilton. Okay, so I haven't followed baseball in a long while. Josh Hamilton, who got started with the Texas Rangers? Yes, that Josh Hamilton. He's still around. Uh, No, he's not not around. Oh, he's not around anymore. Okay. No, what happened with him is what... um, So, you know, recovery is a great thing. I wish Darren... I'll just say it. I wish Darren Waller the best. I hope that he stays clean. Um. He's been partying a lot lately. And oh no! He, and um, for guys in recovery, I know some of you, some guys that are in recovery that can go out and they can have a good time. I hope to God Darren Waller is that guy. But what I will say is, you still have to take football seriously, and I, I'm worried about what the money's done to his drive with the game. Hmm. <clears throat> and without him, I don't see the skill players being there. He's the Raiders are going to go as his season goes on the offensive side of the football. I mean, yeah, Darren Waller needs to be at at the top of his game if this Raiders team has any real shot of competing. Darren Waller could be up there with the Travis Kelsey level. You know, not this year, but in a couple years. I I don't know. I think that the Raiders actually do really well with the tight end position as a whole. I think that's one thing Chucky does great with. Remember, Jared Cook was absolutely amazing the year before Darren Waller took over. And we've seen yeah. what Jared Cook is in New Orleans. I think Waller is a little That's inflated true. by the by the Chucky system, to be 100% honest. So with that said, he's still a top five tight end in the league. I just can't put his name anywhere near Kelsey or Fiddle. All right, makes sense. But, yeah, let's talk about that Raiders defense. Okay, yeah. Uh, the addition of Yannick on that defensive line is makes this defense competitive. I'm just going to say that to start off the whole thing. I love the addition of safety, uh, Trevon Morig, the addition of Yannick to the line, and the further development of a Sleelin Farrell. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think Farrell was worth giving up. You know, if, if you ask me <laughs> in hindsight, well, no, if you ask me at the time, I don't think the draft picks that they got for Khalil Mack were going to equal Khalil Mack. And if you ask me now, if Cleveland Farrell and what was it? The equivalent of him and Jonathan Abrahams made up the difference of Khalil Mack. No, they did not. Um, but at the same time, Abrahams is still a really good safety. Morig starting next to him now. You have Farrell, who is ser- who is more than serviceable on that line that added both Yannick and Quinton Jefferson. Uh, this defense is starting to look like a very repaired defense. Now, I'm not going to call it elite or anything, but it's patched up nicely. Mm. Almost everybody outside of the secondary, almost everybody comes over from other teams. Uh, the linebacker core of Nick Kwiatkowski, Nicholas Morrow, Corey Littleton is a solid linebacker core. Um, I don't remember the, like, the Raiders doing any three linebacker looks last year, though. So I'm guessing more often than not, it's going to be Littleton and Kwiatkowski on the field. But when you know, looking through the whole thing, 
Uh, cornerback is a little bit spotty, but they have a pass rush. They can play the run decently. And they can defend the deep ball pretty decently. Thoughts? I think they're decent. Um, they're fine. I mean, I guess that's the worst thing I can say about the Raiders. Um, and I, it's bad. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're good to defense in a conference in which you need to be amazing just to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, best thing I ever heard about best or sorry, worst thing I ever heard a girl say to me was I'm indifferent. Um, and that mm. is exactly how I would describe my feelings about the Raiders defense. I'm indifferent. Yeah, it's uh, there isn't they're not exciting. This defense is not going to w- would I be completely shocked if this defense was somehow creeped into the top 10. The, the, the impact of a Yannick being added to, you know, actually I would be shocked because they still have the chargers and the chiefs twice on the schedule. So if they were in a different division, like if they were in a more defensive or a bad offensive division, um, well, I don't even – I'm not going to take the time to figure this one out because the truth is the Raiders have a defense that's in the upper half of the league, but it's not going to win them games. It's right. not going to realistically give them any real advantage over Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert. And at right. the end of the day, this Raiders team – this Raiders team can only be as successful as their ability to compete against the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see it. You're not stopping those offenses. You're not keeping up with those offenses. You, you've got talent on this roster. It's just there is outside of Darren Waller, which you brought up the, you know, you, you brought up the uh, seeing him partying too much and maybe Yannick. Um, yep. There is no wow. It's just a bunch of good players who and there's enough retention from previous years like it, it's not it's not a whole bunch of new players so you, you could argue that a bunch of good players uh, gelling together right might end up to be something much greater these guys most of these guys have had two years to gel together with each other and they haven't turned out to be that something that's special yet and honestly in order to make it in order to make it to where something like that happens, to where a team becomes greater than the sum of its parts, you really need a coach and general manager with a vision, something that John Gruden 1.0 had and something that John Gruden 2.0 doesn't appear to have. And I'm really sad at saying that because I, I'm, I'm a Chucky fan. But I can't figure out what he's trying to do. And yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe he's a genius. But maybe he's just trying to be a genius. That's not a bad take. So let's move, let's move on to the next one. Yeah. Oh, uh, we did not uh, do final spots in the division for the Raiders or the Broncos. Uh, we, I have Broncos at number four probably three or four games out of the Raiders. 
Yeah, Broncos number four, well below 500. And um, I have the Raiders probably somewhere right in that 500 range again at number three in the division. Yep. Um, I actually did a full season breakdown a couple of days ago. Um, and I have the Broncos probably getting the first overall pick. See, I don't, so, I don't think they're quite that bad. Um, mainly because I think the switch to Bridgewater will happen at some point in time. And when it does, I can justifiably put the Broncos on uh, 6-11, and 7-10. and 10. And I think that the defense will win them some games without any help. So I, I definitely have the Broncos higher than you, but you know, six, six and eleven is still getting you a top tie, a top ten, a top five pick either way. Oh yeah. So we're not we're not that far off, and uh, I I wouldn't be shocked if the Raiders went ten and seven. It wouldn't surprise me at all, and it also wouldn't surprise me that if that they were never really in contention even with that record. You know, this is where I'm going to say that uh, Raiders are where is how I feel about them anyway. It's not going to shock me if at the end of next year I call somebody that, you know, isn't you. And I ask them what the Raiders record is. And they don't know. Yeah. You know, that's kind of where I'm looking at them is we're all going to be very confused. They're so close to being semi-relevant. And unless you are part of Raider Nation, you probably don't care. Okay, let's get to the part of the division that we've been waiting for. The part where we're really going to have fun. And uh, yeah, um, alphabetically, Kansas City Chiefs come first. So we will close it out with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, let, let, let's let's talk Chiefs, but though I'm sure that we will collectively be going through both of these teams back and forth during the course of this argument because we've done a lot of comparing to the other teams in division, but that's mainly because everybody's chase definitely chasing one, and we both like the other team that isn't being put down as a favorite, but uh, honestly should be put down as one of the elite of the AFC. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and just throw this out there. With First thing I want to lead off with the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is my new Tom Brady. Um, just in, in the level of sheer despise that I have towards the gentleman. <laughs> um, he is cocky and arrogant like nobody I've seen. And remember, he's, we're not allowed to call him Pat Mahomes because his mother doesn't <laughs> like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his mommy's out there on Twitter. Let's you know, talk about that. Let's talk about <laughs> Patrick Mahomes' mom not liking him being called Pat Mahomes. Seriously, like, he's a big boy, lady. And that's all I'm going to say because, honestly, I'm not into insulting people's mothers. And I didn't insult her. I just said he's a big boy boy he can decide what he likes and what he doesn't like as far as his name and uh if i want to call him pat mahomes because i forgot that you said to call him patrick then i might slip and call him pat mahomes despite the fact that you don't like it well here's my question she comes out here and you know we've never really heard anything from his mother 
and she right? brings up the name thing. Yeah, this and isn't he, like a ball from the NBA where where he's constantly hyping his sons all the time and uh, drastically part of them signing contracts and uh, being on sidelines and whatnot. She's she was completely quiet until like halfway through the NFL season. His mother wants us to call him Patrick. Well, then we go to well, then we look at his. Uh, I guess it's his wife now. Um, and what we see is. You know, she's out there now saying that we can't compare him to Tom Brady, that, you know, we can't compare him to Josh Allen. He's better than those two both. Like, we stop comparing Pat, you know, to anybody else. He's not better than Brady until he has the rings. But, like, he's got these – doesn't it almost feel to you like Patrick Mahomes is using the women in his life to go to social media to tell us the things that he wants to say, but he doesn't have the guts to say it? I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, one more time. You faded out on that. So there we go. You're good now. So his, you know, his wife's out there talking about how he's so much better than all these people. His mom's out there saying, "Don't use my, don't use that name." Don't you feel like Tom Brady is that kid in middle school that's asking his mom and his girlfriend to say stuff that he's too afraid to say? (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Now, uh, before we go further down this road. We're not saying that Patrick Mahomes isn't the best quarterback in football, right? You're not saying it. Okay, I'm not saying that. <coughs> I guess I, mean, I should I'm clarify saying, that. I'm saying that he's number two or three. Um, two or three? Say, I mean, two, yeah, two or, or three, three is still pretty high. Okay, so yeah, we're, we're oh, not yeah. saying that Patrick Mahomes isn't an elite NFL quarterback that he isn't the franchise like you substitute uh, out Patrick Mahomes for most other quarterbacks in that situation that the Chiefs aren't nearly as good. Yeah. To use a baseball term, his war is insane. Um, Yeah. Wins above replacement player. Um, And, you know, he has the NFL MVP already that he earned. He has the Super Bowl ring, which he earned. And he played his heart out, despite the fact that he shouldn't have been playing in this past Super Bowl. So we're not saying anything about his. We're not saying anything about his work ethic. We're not saying anything about his greatness. We're we're purely talking personality at this point in time. Yeah, right? I just don't like him. Yeah, I just do not like him. And I'm going to say a few things about the, the 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 frat boys on 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 the Chiefs' offense here, and. Honestly, I don't care if this is taken the wrong way. I felt there were way too many times during interviews and during games that admittedly the Chiefs were winning by blowout at those points in times where the antics of Pat Mahomes, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, all of whom are great players who I'm not saying anything about their talents, but their antics were just a little too much. Like it was a little too much boys playing on the on the playground or uh you know fr- frat boys at a college party rather than the middle of an NFL game whether it be they haven't earned that yet i know they have a ring they haven't earned the right to act like they act yeah whether it's pouring ice water down the back during an interview or whether it's uh picking someone up and rocking the baby or jumping on somebody's back and going for a piggyback ride 50 yards down the field whether it's doing a backflip into the end zone, whether it's just 
And, you know, some people are going to say, oh, lay off. They're having fun. You know what? Other players in the league have fun, too. They don't act like little boys on a playground. Right. You guys are grown men. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, the antics are going to cost them. Uh, the yeah, piggyback, because the I felt way too That awesome. stuff is going to happen. That's just going to cost them. And I'm not talking about penalty yards because I think that offense can make up 15 yards real quick. Yeah, 15 yard penalty means nothing to that offense. It's like, oh, first 25. Going, okay, we got that. 30 somebody's going pass. to get seriously hurt. Yeah. Um, and what's going to happen when Travis Kelsey absolutely accidentally drops Tyree Kill right before the playoffs and dislocates his uh, shoulder as a result of it? Or when Tyree Kill does a backflip and accidentally rolls his ankle. Yeah. So it, and you know, the truth is, I feel like this team as a whole plays down to the town like they are an insanely talented team they play down to the talent they're playing it almost feels like they just think there's a magic switch that they can turn on any point in time they want to and say now we win the game and you saw that you know you saw that this postseason they tried to flip that switch in the Super Bowl and they couldn't I I don't they I don't think that was there. the case with the Super Bowl. I think the Super Bowl case was the just the injuries piled up too much. The the games where it most annoyed me were um, as they were coming down the stretch and they were going for the first round by, uh, you know, the first seed overall. There were a couple mm-hmm. of games where they had to come back in the fourth quarter in order to win the game. Um, let, let's, let me see if I can find them really quick. Because there was back-to-back weeks it might have actually been three weeks in a row where they needed some miracle play in the fourth quarter. And I think one of the times they didn't get it, right? Right. Let me see yeah. which weeks were these. Because do, 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 do. Yeah, f- you know, fill the space while I'm looking up. Yeah, I was gonna say while you're while you're looking at that, I'm gonna fill the space by saying you know, to prove your to talk more about your point of playing down in competition. No team costs gamblers more money than the Kansas City Chiefs did this year on overbets. Because despite having that powerful of an offense, they didn't utilize it when they were playing against bad teams. Um, you know, and yeah, I know Tyreek Hill went off for like a fantasy like record but on it on the average they they came back late in the game they never put up the numbers they they could have and that they just weren't they just weren't there you know and i will say one thing about the one thing that makes them good is uh i looked it up the league average here and this is a great time that we'll talk about this because this is dead space conversation if i ever heard it the yeah. league average is 82.86% of field goals are, that are, are attempted are made. So that's the field goal ratio, the 82.6%. Their kicker is at 97%. Yeah, absolutely insane. Buckner is amazing. 97%. That, that it makes up. So you take that 13%, and it provides the team with an extra 40 points per season. Okay, I found it. Okay, good. The stretch was from November 3rd to November 18th. The Chiefs barely came back, fourth quarter comeback versus the Minnesota Vikings to, to win 26 to 23. Minnesota was pretty bad last year. Yeah. The following week, the Chiefs 
didn't make the comeback on the Tennessee Titans, lost 35 to 32. And I believe the week after that, yep, it checks. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs were behind to the Los Angeles Chargers before they came back and won 24 to 17. Or they played the Chargers too close. Let me, I'm, I'm just doing a scoring breakdown because all the final points were scored in the third quarter in that game. I need to make sure that the Chargers definitely had the lead. But, but I'm almost sure the Chargers were up 17 to 10 in the third quarter. I'm just confirming that before. Yes. So, yeah, the Chiefs were in three close games, which arguably the Titans should have been a close game. But honestly, this wasn't one of those games that uh, Derrick Henry went too far off. Oh, no, never mind. I lied. Derrick Henry had a monster game. <laughs> I like how you just said I lied. Yeah, no, so, Derrick Henry okay. had a monster game. Uh, 188 yards, two, two touchdowns. So maybe the Titans would have won either way. But the truth is the Chiefs should never have been in close games with the char- last year's Chargers and last year's Vikings. And when you look at that stretch of the middle of the season where they lost to the Packers, they beat the Vikings by three, they lost to the Titans, they beat the Chargers by seven, they were playing down to the talent. Even December 8th, uh, two weeks after the fact, they only beat the Patriots 23 to 16. You look through, the Broncos held them to 23 points. Uh, the Bears held them to 26. That Patriots game was, I know it was one score, but that Patriots game was... Uh, Bridges had a shot, right, with like two minutes left in that game? Yeah. And it was just because Cam Newton is not that good? Or wasn't uh, that good last year, one way or the other? Yeah, end. I mean, I, I, we do have to remember the guy, the poor guy. Had Cam and, you know, that definitely affected him a little bit. So, I mean, and I think that defense is um, – that defense is good. I, do do you uh, do you're the defensive guy? Do you believe that defense is a top five defense this year? Uh, hold on, I, I'm. Oh, the wait, whose defense? Kansas City's. Do you think they're a top five defense this year? No, they're not a top five. So when you, you can when you consider that the Buccaneers, the Washington Football Team, uh, the Patriots, the Broncos, um, did I already say five? The Bills. That's five. With the I would I would still take the Bears before it. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, the uh, Los Angeles Rams, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, no, that that maybe top half of the league. Okay, but uh, it, it it's not a. I I don't even think it's a top ten defense. But I guess the point that I'm trying, yeah, I, you know, the, their defense is good. Um, their, their defense is good enough to win if the offense ever gets all on, if the offense decides to treat the game seriously. And I kind of hope that losing the Super Bowl last year just means like we've seen the comments recently. Pat Mahomes is like the only record that I'm interested in is 20 and 0. If Pat Mahomes, if Patrick Mahomes is actually serious about the only record he's interested in is 20 and 0, then watch out. 
I have no reason to believe that that is 100% serious, but I think the one good thing that comes out of that loss for them last year is that they learned they weren't invincible. Thoughts on that? Do you think we could? Do you think we could get a Travis Kelsey uh, reality TV show this year? Uh, Travis Kelsey reality TV show. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember his TV show a couple years ago? I do not remember that, but uh, honestly, uh, I I think Travis Kelsey is a great TV personality. Yeah, he had a dating show. It was called Catching Kelsey. He dated fifty women from one from each state. While he tried to find his future Mrs. Kelsey. Wow. Um, so I just, I see the thing is, I think no matter how serious Pat Mahomes wants to be, he, the rest of his team doesn't want to be that serious. But if Pat Mahomes comes that serious, then like we, we saw what, what, what happened last year when, when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and he elevated the talent around him. Uh, that's one, you know, those great quarterbacks always elevate the quarter, uh, elevate the team. Right. And if Patrick Mahomes is really in that category, which, you know, honestly, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is an all time great category. If he straightens out his, his, I'm not even going to say his personality. I, I'm just saying his, um, it's not drive because he works as hard as anyone else. What, what is the word I'm looking for? If he focuses just purely, if he focuses, I really believe he's an all-time great. And I think that he can refocus the rest of the team to that. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's cool when we see Andy Reid dabbing in the locker room and and having fun and, and joking around as one of the guys. You know, a- Andy Reid, last year is an indictment on you because right. you shouldn't have allowed that team to get as loose I mean, as they were many times. That's a great word. That's a great word choice because... You know, right before the Super Bowl, his coaches were getting indicted. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh. that, but that shows what kind of locker room they have is they actually were having criminal charges against their coaching staff during the bye week before the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's got to rein it back in because Reed is a great coach. He, he really is. But I feel like you almost think that that Reed is suffering from that very rare thing that never happens anywhere, but uh, he has too much talent. I mean, that could be, yeah. He he has more talent than he knows what to do with, and as a result of it, grew a little complacent. So let's talk about CEH since you're bringing up talent. Um, what do you think goes on with that running back game in Kansas City this year? I, I first want to state that I don't think the CEH is quite as bad as a lot of people think he is. I just think he's a, he's not the, I think if the answer was on the Kansas city Chiefs as far as running back goes, that they still wouldn't look like they were the answer. Does that make sense? It does. With how dynamic that passing game is. Can, can you really, can you really afford to have a running back better than CEH on your team? Probably not because you're not going to use them anyway. Yeah. So when, when you consider that, they're just going to become that running back is just going to become a distraction. They're just going to become someone who is complaining, bringing down morale, so on and so forth. So 
honestly, I, I think that CEH is the perfect fit for the Chiefs. A running back that is serviceable, but he isn't that great. And he's young enough and and he's young enough to look at guys like Pat, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and be like, wow, I'm part of something special. So where do you what do you think goes on with the Chiefs for the final record? You have them winning the division, I assume. Oh, I I, I do want to I do want to touch the, the defense. You, you segued okay. me for it before, but I, I wasn't quite ready at the moment to uh, do that. The, okay. the defense is a decent defense. Obviously, uh, I believe that defense will be a defense, uh, a decent defense until the Honey Badger decides to call it quits and retire. Mm. But uh, w- when you look down it, um, there's one player in, in particular that I'm really excited for. He's not listed as a starter yet, but I think Nick Bolton's going to be a great fit on that Kansas City defense. And I think he's actually exactly what they needed. He he's a really fast sideline to sideline linebacker who I he he he's got to be taking Willie Gay spot from him before the end of the year. So as far as Hitchens uh and Bolton starting next to each other behind a line that features Taco Charlatan, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, uh and um the guy whose last name I'm not going to mispronounce. So but he's good enough. Uh, do you know how to pronounce it? N N A D I. No idea. Nadai. No maybe? idea. I can't get it. My my kids and my wife will tell you that I I'm the worst person at pronouncing last names. Okay, so that front seven I think looks better than it has in previous years because I think you have two legit guys who can who can clean up after after the line. I don't think the line can afford to be too reckless, but. You know, overly that that's more of a suffocating line that that than a hot pursuit line anyway. Minus Chris Jones, mm-hmm. I I really, I really like what they have going on there. Once again, I don't, I don't have them in the top ten, uh, because but that's not because the Chiefs don't have a good defense. It's because we actually have some better defense, better defenses here. Because it seems like top defensive players are migrating to the same teams with each other and just leaving other. De- just leaving other defenses without any real top players. Do, do, do you get that right. feeling? Yep. Yeah, I do. Because they want to stand out on a defense, and it's kind of like, I can't be the only good person on this defense because the NFL doesn't work that way anymore. I need to join a defense where I'm, max, where I'm playing with uh, four or five other pro bowlers on a weekly basis. And the Chiefs have that. And uh, guys like uh, Lajara Sneed, um, he did excellent last year as a rookie. I'm really looking forward to him taking the next step this year. I think that that uh, when they when they brought in Mike Hughes from Minnesota, that's a that's a sneaky good signing. Uh, providing Mike Hughes can stay, stay healthy, there's a lot of providing you can stay healthy on this defense because it is getting older. Like you know, Frank Clark, Honey Badger, they're not young. Uh, Chris Jones is even starting to. Nah, Chris Jones is still in his prime, but. At the same time, there are if they can keep this defense together, they can slow down opponents enough to where that offense, if that offense is going to be serious, this could be a fifteen and two team this year. Right. And honestly, that's not even exaggerating. With that said, that's not my prediction. Okay. 
I think the antics will cost at least one game. I'm not 100% sold that the only record that's important is 20 and 0. I think if he is really serious about that and he gets everyone to buy into it quickly, that this AFC is still too talented to go 20 and 0 anyway. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, maybe you could see 19 and 1. But okay. even then, it's 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 it, it is a stretch to get there because he has to beat a very talented team in this division twice, and they're playing that first place schedule. Like there's there's no easy games on the on the schedule outside of the ones in the division. And you know the truth is, divisional games aren't easy for any team. They're not easy for any team. Right. So when you look through, um, they're playing the AFC North this year, it, it, on their schedule. The AFC West is playing the AFC North. So they're going to get Cleveland, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. I'm not going to predict where the losses are coming. Uh, other than I'll predict a split with the Chargers. Okay. I realistically think that this is a 14-3 and three football team. 14-3. All right. I'm, I'm going to put them at... Uh... I want to put him at eleven and five. You can't be eleven and five. You got to be either nope, be twelve and, and five or eleven and six. Eleven and six. Sorry. Eleven and six. Yeah, I, I don't see. I did look at their schedule. I think you know the Packers take it take a game take the game from them. I think the Chargers take at least a game from them. I I just I think that they're going to be. I think they're going to have the come down effect from the Super Bowl. Not at, you know, not the Super Bowl come down of where you won one, you're riding that high. They're not, I, I don't think they're going to cope well at the beginning of the year. Uh, so I'm going to give them 11. Is that, uh, is that Super Bowl letdown thing still as intact as it used to be in the past? I don't know. I think the main reason I'm giving them 11 and six, to be honest, is because I'm picking the Chargers to win the division. And, and I had the Chargers going 12, I had the Chargers going 12 and five. 12 and five is not going to win that division, man. Well, you know, I, I got to find a way for the Chargers to win the division because I do think they're winning. Then, man, make, s- the, make the Chargers 13 and four. I guess honestly, I'll I, I don't 13 and four then. Honestly, I, I don't think you can predict Kansas City be below 12 and five. I think there's a little too much heart in that pick. I think Kansas City makes the playoffs. Not at 11 and I, six. Do you think they? You think eleven and six is gonna is gonna definitely have you in the playoffs? I think it's gonna take a wild card spot. Yeah. I think when you look at the other divisions, there's gonna be a lot of cannibalization. I Um, mean, don't get me wrong. The the North there's gonna be some cannibalization in because the the Chargers, the the Browns, and the Ravens are definitely going to uh, beat each other up really bad. But uh, honestly, the Titans and the the Colts. The Titans and the Colts, you can already put them down for uh, for their sweeps of the of, of the bait of the bottom of that division, in my opinion. Uh, but then you look at the AFC East, and you, you say they're going to. I think they're going to cannibalize each other too. You think that the Bills are uh, aren't aren't going uh, five and one in the division? I, I don't know. I think the Bills are. Um, 
the way I look at the bills is that it doesn't matter what they actually do because the bills are going to walk their bills are going to take the AFC East anyway. Yeah, so so. If, they, if they tag everybody in that division with two losses, everybody's got the two losses, you know? Yeah. The second place team is going to be the team that the bills only beat once. So, and there's going to be a lot of splits there. I, I think that, you know, New England's going to split with the Jets. I think New England's going to split with the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins and the Jets are splitting together. So I, I just think that whichever team can not lose to the Bills twice has a chance to be second there. So you think Kansas City barely makes the playoffs based off the AFC East taking each other out then? I do, yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I still say that you, you have to have a serious problem with the Chiefs to put them below 12 and 5. Like, it's – yeah, I, I feel it's based off of close to nothing. Like, what – why 11 and 6? Why not 12 and 5? Like, what is – give me the six losses. I'll have to pull up their schedule real quick. I had it pulled up the other day when I was looking at stuff, so hold on. Because it just sounds like you're giving every flip a coin game to the other team. It could be. I mean, to be completely fair, the Chiefs cost me a good amount of money last year, so I'm kind of a little bitter. Fair enough. Um, but, all right, so let's go into the regular season. Here, here we go. The Browns. I'm giving that to Baker. I, I think the Browns put I'm not going to argue with the Browns. I actually think the Browns are this, uh, could be the Super Bowl representative. The Browns then might we, be the best team in the AFC. So that's a loss. Then we go to the Ravens. I'm giving that to Lamar. Oh, I, I can't. Lamar, I think Lamar finds a way to start being what we want him to be this year. I can't picture the Chiefs winning, losing back-to-back games to start off the season. So then I'm going to give them their week three game against the Chargers because I don't think 0-3 is realistic to ask you know, Pat Mahomes to go 0-3. But then uh, obviously I'm, I'm giving them the Eagles game. I'm going to give them... I don't know. See that. So that's two losses I'm giving them. The third loss comes when they have to play Buffalo. And that's a primetime game for Josh Allen. Here's the question mark. Here's a question mark. You know, it's three losses right there. Where do you think they stack up against Washington's defense? Do you think Pat Mahomes can actually do what he needs to do to beat that defense? I couldn't possibly see the Chiefs being one and four at any point in time this year. I get what you're saying that you can't see them being one and four, but you can see them losing. If we're not, if we're going with the theory that Kansas City believes in the switch. There is, which I, I don't know what other theory you're going with because you see very drastically t- uh, teens once once they put on their game faces at. One and three, I don't. If that happens at one and three, if that happens at all, there is mm-hmm. no way they're not beating the next five opponents by double digits every game, regardless of who they are. Okay, so I'll even. Yeah, I mean, I think the back end of their schedule is where they're going to make up the most ground. You know, they get their last two games against the Broncos and the Bengals. And the, the third game, third from last is the Steelers. We saw what happened with them last year. They completely like kind of just cracked out on us. 
yeah, we can't have them going. We can't have them going any worse than two and two against the AFC North. Right. Um, you know, they're split with the Chargers. I think a split with the Chargers is, is very fair. I honestly, like, I'm looking at their schedule here and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, thank God it's not my team with this schedule to start the season. They go with the Browns. They have the Browns at home. Then they go to the Ravens in Baltimore. Chargers at Arrowhead. Then they get the easy win in Philly. But then they have to go play Josh Allen on primetime. Then right after that, they turn around and they have to play the Washington football team. And then right after the Washington football team, they get the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. I mean, that's then they get the easy win against the Giants. But they then they got to go play Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones in, with Green Bay. And I, I get what you're saying. The schedule's stacked. But I can guarantee you every one of those teams that's looking at Kansas City on that week, but mm-hmm. well, not every one of those teams, because honestly, no team really thinks they're going to lose unless they're that bad. Right. Every one of those uh, fan bases, it's like, oh, crap, we have Kansas City this week. We can't just give it all. We can't just give it all against one team. Like if, if we were to take all, all of their difficult po- opponents on the schedule and just make them 500 against those difficult opponents, we probably have 12 and five. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I just I look at that schedule and I can see real losses on there, but I can still I can see real losses for you know the Chargers too. Well, yeah, the, char- the Chargers, but the Chargers have a much easier schedule. Oh, the, which they, might not be a true statement. Do. Now that I'm thinking about it, Chargers are playing a third place schedule. Yes, and they're playing you know their third throwing game. You know that nice game that the league kind of helped out some teams and hurt other teams and all that. Yeah. They're they're throwing games against New England. Fun. Yeah, I mean, and it's in at LA. I so I think that they get that extra throwing game. Yeah. And I think where you're looking at the Chargers is they're going to start zero and one. I mean, we'll we'll get you know just a little lead in for the Chargers. Well, I, yeah, start, I think we've interluded into the Chargers now. Let's do this. They'll start zero and one. Um. I, I don't think Herbert's talent. I think Herbert's, you know, you know, I'll tell you now, Herbert is my MVP pick. Josh, uh, Josh, well, Herbert's my MVP pick. Austin Eckler, he's my uh, comeback player of the year pick. Let's uh, but, let's jump to the comeback player of the year first, uh, because yep. honestly, it wouldn't shock me if Justin Herbert was the league MVP. I'm not prepared to make a league MVP pick yet. I think that just the nature of having Eckler there makes it a little harder for Justin Herbert to win. See, I think um, it makes it easier. I think it gives him a lot of checkdowns that are going to break for 20, 25 yards. Uh, I'm just saying that some people do evaluate how much talent he had to work with. And I think there's a chance that a, a guy like, uh, I, 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 I need to see what a guy like Matthew Stafford is doing in Los Angeles before I start uh, handing out MVP awards yet. D- mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely does. I also need to see if Aaron Rodgers is playing before I start handing out MVP. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the same time, comeback player of the year on a year where you're competing against Dak Prescott and, you know, everybody loves voting for a quarterback first and right. Christian McCaffrey. Why do you think that Austin Eckler is the comeback player of the year? So it's twofold. Um, one, I think Dak is good. I 
I think Dak's going to struggle with it. We talked about it the last time I was on your podcast here. I think Dak is going to struggle with a little bit of the fear factor. And I think, you know, Dak has the most talented offensive team out of any of those three. Yeah. So it's going to be hard for to justify giving Dak that kind of an award. You know, it's funny, though, because I, I never felt like a player was costed uh, by how talented they were around for couple, uh, for comeback player of the year. I and Well, if we're going to the Christian McCaffrey, did the team make enough improvements to protect him? Or, you know, he – because here's where I'm coming out with McCaffrey. It wasn't just the leg. It was the, it was the knee, it was the ankle, and it was the shoulder. Do you uh do you buy the shoulder thing? I do actually. Um, you don't think that uh, Carolina was just you looking for an excuse to shut him down at that point? They may have been. I just, I, I'm having a hard time believing that that guy is now not banged up permanently. I see a lot of you know, I see a lot of like a Saquon in him now. Once those running backs, I mean, started- Saquon did it back to back seasons. Right. Once those, and I think that that could be where we see McCaffrey get to this year. Once running backs start to get dinged up, and you know the game starts to take the toll on them, I I think it's the easiest position in football to watch the rapid decline. In. I'm not saying McCaffrey's not going to be great because I know Eckler's been hurt too. I just think Eckler has the team around him that's going to protect him, and also he's going to put up some astronomical ridiculous games because of the checkdowns from justin herbert yeah don't get me wrong you know i'm as big of an austin eckler fan as anyone else uh even more so than a lot of people but yeah at at the same time i just i don't so um, let me ask you this real wait for for real question because this is where i come at it from a little bit okay you have you know it's like third and six like you got to get this this first down to keep the game going on here. <clears throat> so you're going to run the screen. You're going to run a screen pass. Which quarter or which wide receiver? Wow. Which running back do you want on the opposing end of that screen pass? Would you rather have Austin Eckler or would you rather have Christian McCaffrey? I'd rather have Christian McCaffrey on first and 10. I'd rather have uh, Christian McCaffrey on second and five. Um, I'd on third and six, and it has to be, and it has to be a swing pass. Yep, has a, to as a, as opposed to a gritty wide receiver up the center. I would prefer Austin Eckler over Christian McCaffrey. With that said, though, I that you are literally picking the one situation I'd prefer Austin Eckler to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, I personally maybe third and twenty-five because I think that Eckler is a little bit scrappier. I just like Austin Eckler this year. I, I just, I'm. Just I mean, I know on. you do, but there's no reason to, uh, to to think that Christian McCaffrey isn't going to be good. <laughs> and so Christian McCaffrey has a name behind him that's going to get him votes over Austin Eckler. Remember. With how unanimous everyone thought it was last year that Alex Smith was uh, comeback player of the year, some I don't know what word to use here because 
some a-hole decided to give a vote to Big Ben. Yeah. I had to think for a moment whether I wanted to say that or not, but, you know, honestly, I, I don't think I care on that. So I think that there's something to be said about name recognition. Um, and I think that Dak Prescott and Christian McCaffrey just have more name recognition. Now, don't get me wrong. I, Austin Eckler is going to have an amazing season. Uh, it's He's not as big of a superstar as the other two. Whether he should be or not is a completely different story. You know, it's so. Then, if you say that this is his break, he has that monster year that he really potentially could have playing alongside the MVP, and he has his career breakout year. He has a career year. Doesn't that make the case even stronger that he needs to be comeback player of the year? Uh, if his numbers and Christian McCaffrey's numbers are comparable at all, yep. which there's no reason to think they won't be comparable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's being optimistic for Austin Eckler uh, and liking uh, and loving Austin Eckler as much as I do. Christian McCaffrey will win the vote because his name is Christian McCaffrey. Here's why I think that I disagree a little bit more. McCaffrey has more and I know it's it's a stupid thing, but McCaffrey has more one o'clock games. So that puts. You know, that puts Eckler more at the four o'clock time slot where people, there's only two or three games on. And the San, uh, wow, flashback a couple of years there. Los Angeles Chargers have more primetime games. He's going to have more eyes on him. So the way that isn't Dak going to have more eyes on him than either of them? He is, but you that means that you have, can you give comeback player of the year to a guy that you also put at third place in this division? Because you put you put the Cowboys, you, or did you put the Cowboys second? Washington's offense was dreadful last year. Yeah, but we both now, granted that's a that's a historic comeback story. So maybe that's not fair for me to even bring that up. But uh, you know, you you're I think you're judging MVP crit. I think you're putting too much MVP criteria into this comeback player of the year argument. When when the truth is, we've seen comeback players of the year. Uh, on last place teams before it's right. just you know just because the player came back strong doesn't mean that uh, the team came back strong yeah i just i i really like Eckler. i'm really high on him and i think the, i think he's got it this year i think the Chargers just all around her last year they had they had more losses by uh once by one score than any team in the league and had they flipped those around they were you know not even all of them if they flipped half of them to 50 percent, they were a wild card team Oh, yeah, no, the Chargers are going to be a much improved team, which is one of the reasons why I love Justin Herbert for MVP. Like, honestly, I I, I couldn't think of if if Dak were able to turn the Cowboys into a first place team somehow in that division, then I think Dak would be in contention. But we all know that uh, like MVP is something where people break down everything more than just more than just the stats and numbers, Uh, you know, um, wins count and importance to your team counts too when it comes to uh, to MVP too which is why a guy like Aaron Rodgers beat a guy like Derrick Henry last year if if stats was the only important thing Derrick Henry should have been the MVP right oh yeah I mean I'm just gonna say if you're looking to uh if you're looking at find some Justin Herbert rookie cards hit me up on Facebook I'm your guy um 
<laughs> but, you know, I think this year is – I think Justin Herbert's going to do something special. And I think Austin Eckler is going to get to reap the rewards from that. Again, I think that Austin Eckler is going to do amazing. He's just up mm-hmm. against names that are too much bigger than his to the point where I don't think that it's going to matter because of the specific award that it is. So, uh, but you know, th- this is, I'll, uh, it, I'll say, yeah, but we're, we're starting to so, go, we're starting to go a little bit lengthy. Yeah, we're, we're, so. we're a little long on this. Should we do comeback player of the year as our bragging rights bet? And yeah, I let's have, do bright. Let's do that. <laughs> I have to pick either Dak or Christian to, to be fair about this. No, I'll, I, I'll give you both of them. You'll give me no, nah, I don't feel right. I will about give that. you I will get listen, I will give you both of them. Okay. I'll take both. I'll take Dak and Christian. You take uh Austin Eckler. Yep. You want to add Every, a second player in just in case? Do you want like Nick Bosa or Saquon Barkley? I mean, if you want if you if you're gonna give me a second player, I guess I'll take Saquon just because he's a giant and I like and I'm gonna be watching those games anyway. Yeah, okay. So I'll give you Eckler and Saquon. I'll take McCaffrey and Dak. And, uh, and, I, yeah. and I really hope you don't win based off of it being Saquon. <laughs> <laughs> because I did that to myself, right? Right. And just for your listeners to know, uh, the date <clears throat> the date wise of uh, when this podcast is being recorded, I think comeback player of the year should probably be uh, Floyd Mayweather's bank account for what he's about to get paid tonight. <laughs> I mean, guys, guys being projected to make $55 million in one night. What are we doing wrong, JML? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think, so back to the Chargers, though, I think offensively they have all the weapons they need. Yeah, well, but obviously we've definitely talked about Justin end. Herbert and Austin Eckler so far. Uh, Keenan Allen, it, is it possible to consider Keenan Allen underrated? I think at this point it is. I think, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both right there. Um, and I, I think actually I, I think... feel like too many people say that uh, Keenan Allen is not a top 10 wide receiver. He's just a he's just a great wide receiver. And it seems like he's always putting up close to a top five season, if not top 10. So honestly, he's probably one of the most underrated players, uh, one of the most underrated receivers in the league. And I yeah, mean, Mike Williams is great. Josh Palmer should be a nice little addition to that to that set of weapons. You know, it's it's definitely controversial. It's not like a popular opinion. I think losing Hunter Henry made that team better. Uh, you know, it's it's going to help them go downfield more often. Yeah, it's. I was about to say you're not saying you think Jared Cooks is better than Hunter Henry, right? No, I'm no, I'm not saying Cook is better than Henry in any way. What I'm saying, though, is I think it's going to force them to open up the playbook more in the fit yes. Justin Herbert's play style. I think yep. for a lot of last year, we were watching them call plays for Tyrod Taylor while Justin Herbert was their quarterback. I could uh, I could get on board with that. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I, I was just hoping you weren't saying that Jared Cook was better than Hunter Henry. I, I think having Hunter Henry away is going to free up that offense. And uh, I think being able to keep Justin Herbert on his feet this year is going to be a whole lot easier with the additions of Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater on that line. Uh, yes, oh, yeah. please. Like, honestly, you can tell that ridiculously they improved. <laughs> they think they found their franchise guy. And they went and spent the money to keep him safe. Yeah. 
Um, they, and, they got you know, potentially that, the best center in football. And honestly, I think Rashawn Slater is the best defensive uh, offensive tackle in that class. And I know yeah, I'm going to get some flack for, for, for that because there's a few players that could be considered the best. And a lot of people had Slater down at three, but uh, I, I, I love some Rashawn Slater, especially in Los Angeles defending Herbert's blind side. Yeah. I think that if we're looking at them just realistically, I, I think the chargers, you know, really did what they had to do to protect their kid. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they, they did masterful work. Again, another reason Austin Eckler is going to be better. I I just think that they they did what they needed to do, and I, I'm I'm in love with this team this year. Okay, so let's jump to the defensive side of the ball. Yep. The head coach of the his name is escaping me right now. The head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers is the former defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams. When it happened, or if you could look up that name really quick while I say a few things about him. Mm-hmm. When that happened, it was a very ho-hum move. It was something that it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's nice. It's not a big splash or anything. But when you really start to look at what the Los Angeles Rams defense did last year and compare it to the type of player that, the Chargers have on their defense right now. At safety, you, you have Derwin James, you have Nasir Adderley. At cornerback, you have Chris Harris. Uh, Trevon Campbell had a, had a nice little breakout last year. I'm not really sure who Michael Davis is, so that might not be a good thing, but you have Asante Samuel Jr. learning be- behind. You can see flashes of a potential replacement group for guys like John Johnson and um, Troy Hill and, you know, go go down the list as far as the Rams secondary from last year, this charger secondary might actually be better than that Rams secondary as far as talent on paper. My, my only, my only question would be, you know, is, is, John Johnson versus Derwin James. Can Derwin James stay healthy? I think they can be close if James can be healthy. And if he doesn't, you know, talk about another guy who's potentially comeback player of the year. Derwin James could yep. could be in that category. He doesn't have the name to win it, but um, but so you know, once again, it's a name. It's Brandon. It's Brandon Stolly. Brandon Stolly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take you a step further though. First of all, he's 38 years old. Yeah. which I, I love these younger head coaches. I think that they understand the more social media mindset of these players. Um, but he went to the universe. I, as soon as I saw it, I remembered what I wanted to say about him when I did some a little bit of research before this podcast. You know, Notre Dame's head coach is Brian Kelly. Notoriously can't win the big game. But he, he's the only – he got our he got our defensive players multiple times in a row, caught our defensive guys how to play the game to a point where Notre Dame four times in the last 10 years has had a top five defensive player. And I don't mean top five defensive overall. They had a guy finishing the top five for Heisman voting as a defensive player. Yeah, no, it's absolutely amazing what he's been able to do. Brandon Steely learned how to play defense and coach defense from Brian Kelly. 
that's a definitely that's definitely an awesome link right there. So when you look at when you're looking at a defensive mindset, you know, with with that defense that the Chargers already have established, I think that's great. Yeah, and you might point out, be quick to point out, well, they don't have Aaron Donald. It's like, okay, yeah, I know no one's Aaron Donald, but they have Joey Bosa and Linval Joseph on that line. You Are you telling me this guy can't work with Joey Bosa? Are right. you telling me this guy can't work with uh, Derwin James, Drew Tranquil at linebacker, Kajir White, who has never quite lived up to expectations, but at the same time, I still think he's a talented linebacker. Like, he has the ability to potentially make this defense talk about a defense nobody's talking about whatsoever. Like, honestly, I, I don't see the Chargers defense getting talked about at all. This is a top 10 defense. Yeah. And that's why I think the Chargers are so good. I think it's not only a top 10 defense. I think it's a top, you know, top six, seven offense. Their, their big weakness, their hands down biggest weakness is they have the worst field goal kicker in the league. <laughs> And I know that that sounds, you know, that that's laughable when you look at that as a big weakness. Well, did they, do they still have the money badger? <coughs> uh, Naturally. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't, I was unaware of the nickname there. Yeah. He has um, the nickname, the money badger. Yeah. So, you know, kicking at kicking just above because, the seven. Cause he steals, uh, he steals money. Like uh, Tyron Matthews steals honey. <laughs> that's funny. So field goal kicking wise, 74%. But when you factor in the extra points, under 71% of his kicks that went through the uprights last year, costing his team, according according to what you know ESPN's got here, he cost his team three different games where he could have kicked a game winning kick. So why the heck is he still kicking? Like the guy doesn't even do kickoffs. He just kicks field goals and extra points. So why does well, he still have a job? I think the problem is. Who else do you give a job to as an NFL kicker? How about somebody who could do both the, t- uh, the kickoffs and be marginally about the same as far as a, uh, kicking field goals? I, mean, I I think almost you go with – you could replace him with somebody like Carly Lloyd, you know? She wants to go kick in the what? NFL. Yeah, or, or Sandra Fuller. Come on now. The Chargers <laughs> should just, uh, you know, add a little publicity to this offseason too. Um, yeah, because, because Justin Herbert is getting a, you hype, but that is the status of their kicking game. It is it is it is a joke of a kicking game. Yeah, and if your kicker's that with, bad, why not give the first uh, at a female NFL player a shot? But here's the thing: when you look at the analytics now, if your kicker's that bad, why not go for two? Yeah, I mean, after all, you you have the offense that can go for two all the time if you need to. You do. And Austin Eckler, so, like, honestly, I, I, I want no part of comparing Austin Eckler to how great Christian McCaffrey is. But at the same time, with how clutch he is, yeah, g- give me some Austin Eckler on fourth and two. Right. So, I mean, I'm putting the Chargers, you know, I'm giving the Chargers the division. And I think that uh, I think I'm probably going to be wrong. I, I don't uh, think you know I'm what? right. I don't Here's think I'm right on thing. this one. You put the Chargers on 12 and 5 initially before I talked you up to 13 and 4. Yeah. We don't disagree on the Chargers at all. We disagree on the Chiefs. Okay. Kansas City 14 and 3. Los Angeles 13 and 4. 
Uh, so you still have them in the playoffs? Yo, I, I don't have them in the playoffs. I have them as the, 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 the decisive fifth seed in the playoffs, probably okay. beating up on that uh, on that poor d- division winner that, uh, you know, that, that ended up with the fourth seed. Got it. Which might not be a true statement anymore because initially I had that division winner being uh, the Indianapolis Colts. But then the whole tr- trade goes down with Julio and the Tennessee Titans, something that I'm going to be covering in a breaking podcast that uh, we'll be re- releasing before the show. So, you know, g- give me a give me a good matchup between uh, who is it going to be? Uh, honestly, that it's pretty wide open. You know, what's kind of crazy. It wouldn't be shocking if these two teams were playing in the four or five against each no, other. It really wouldn't. And getting that third game out of the way, uh, uh, honestly, it, it and, and I get it that I I just picked them at uh, four, 14 and three and thirteen and four, so fourteen and three should get a buy. Oh, you know, actually, you know what it is that that AFC North is going to beat each other up. The division winner is probably only going to be twelve and five or eleven and six, right? Right. Even it, and I get it. I said that I think the Browns are, are potentially the Super Bowl representative for the AFC. I just think that it's it's too hard to ask them to go three and one versus Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Right. And flip side of the coin, it's too hard to ask Pittsburgh or Baltimore to do that either. Um, uh, yeah. But with, with that said, um, I'm sure that if it, regardless of who it is, Chargers or the Chiefs. Everyone in the every other division winner in the AFC is trying really hard to not be the fourth best division winner in the AFC. Yeah, because the Titans, Bills, and uh, and whoever wins the North, I'm calling it as the uh, I'm calling it as the Browns right now. You, you don't have to, you know, that's a different show or anything. You don't have to agree with me. Honestly, I'm not going to argue that you that much if you do disagree with me because that division is messed up when it comes to playing each other. But, uh, you know, none of them want any part of playing either Los Angeles Chargers or Kansas City Chiefs there. So it's kind of funny. It, we actually don't disagree on the Chargers. We just really disagree on the Chiefs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess time will tell as far as that goes. But the, at the same time, it's, uh, no, yeah. I, I think the Chargers are 13 and 14. Uh, do, do you, is that where you have them, or are you sticking with the 12 and 5? Yeah, I have to put them up to 13 and 4. You kind of, you kind of called me out on it, so I guess I'll do it. Right. <laughs> um, you don't know, you know, J-Mo, I'm not going to let you bully me and put me in peer pressure. I'm going to keep them at 12 and 5, and I'm going to keep the uh, Chiefs at 11 and 6. Wow. Wow. Dude, I mean, people are going to be checking this at the end of the year. Are you sure you want to keep them at 12 and 5 and 11 and 6? Yeah, and, and I welcome I welcome those people. And um, I welcome those people. And anybody that listens to it that wants to, you know, I think a fun little project here is if anybody wants to before the start of the season, I will gladly compare division winners and uh, wildcard winners and – we can see which of JMO's listeners can beat up on me the most. Yeah. You know what? Um, Either way, I, I respect the fact that you're, that you're calling something that's so completely out of the ordinary. 
Um, you, can, you know, because no one's no one's putting on Kansas City on eleven and six. Uh, to my knowledge, maybe someone is. Uh, but you know, I, I respect that because I, I definitely tried to do that with the draft. I went with the whole. I, I definitely picked some dark horse picks that uh, screwed up my my draft, and you know, and I'm probably being because I I, I messed up my my draft uh, projection so much by trying to be unorthodox and trying to pick differently than everyone. Maybe yeah. I'm playing it a little bit safer with the divisions, but I also realized the balance of if I'm saying Carolina is going to be as good as they are. And if I'm saying things like Washington's going to have a historic defense, I kind of have to tone it back somewhere. So maybe that's part of why I'm just putting the Chiefs with a really high record. Um, I mean, you also, this is ultimately your podcast, not mine. So you have to look better at the end of the day than I do. Yeah. So picking the Chiefs on a really high record is more of the, uh, is more of the why not as opposed to why. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, no one's going to, no one's going to call you out for putting the Chiefs on 14 and three. Whereas right. someone will call you out if you're putting the Chiefs on 16 and one, or if you're putting them on 11 and six. Right. So, because, and maybe, maybe that's admitting cowardice. No, it's not really because I, I've made enough bold claims to where, I don't have to admit you've cowardice. made a bunch of bold claims. Um, yeah. And honestly, I, I mean, I, I, I have Jalen Waddle over Jamar Chase in a bet this year. So, so yeah, I've made enough bold claims <laughs> for this podcast. That's the one I'm regretting so far for the record. Okay. I honestly, um, Oh uh, crap. I, Ethan can hear that now. <laughs> Yes, yes, you can. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not talking because... to you on the phone. I'm talking over the podcast right now. Ethan, you didn't hear that. I am just as confident in Jalen Waddle as I've ever <laughs> been. <laughs> uh, uh, you got to love it, right? You do. It's like we're exposing yeah. our conversations to... I don't mind exposing my conversations to the world. I just, I just mind accidentally giving somebody credit when, when I didn't want to, <laughs> who's one of my friends. Listen, I had to remember that, uh, that most of our fantasy football week is in this podcast before I accidentally revealed my draft strategy earlier. Right. <laughs> um, you know, again, you pointed out my nice little Owen 13 season. So I'm not sure how many people are taking my draft strategies away, but, uh, Honestly, I wasn't going to bring that up again, and I wasn't going to bring up the whole Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara thing again either, though I probably should at a show that that you're downplaying Christian McCaffrey. I should probably well, say something you know, like same, same thing as always with you, right? <laughs> well, two, you know, four years in the league, two, two missed playoffs, one on 13 season, two semifinal appearances. I'm, I'm, I'm not hating it. Uh, you know, I do challenge any of JML's listeners that are already not part of our league to go ahead, grab our scoring format from them. I know that I know that JML freely shares our scoring documents out there. And I made our league to... public last year. Honestly, I would love it if more people tried to manage 40 player rosters with full IDP and uh, yeah, return true. yardage and everything. It's it's actually a really fun league. It's super involved and you need to get the right people to do it with you too because you know, we have had yep. some turnover, but at the same time, I, I it is 
And I'm not saying this because I'm the commissioner, because obviously most commissioners hate the league they run. Um, Loaf is my yeah. favorite league, and it's the favorite league of most of the players who play in it, too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I left a, uh, you know, and depending on your state, depends on how much fantasy football is allowed to be wagered on in your state. I left a $500 league for Loaf, which is, you know, Loaf does not even cost as much as the case of most beers. And no, I, yeah, I we did keep it, it reasonable I did it. because it's hard to charge people a lot, a lot of money and then at the same time uh, tell them to do as much work as you have to do for our league. <laughs> yeah, Loaf is amazing. <clears throat> uh, yeah, just for a quick rundown at the end, uh, we're already going over time, but uh, yep. I, I'll, do, I'll do the quick. What we start every week, we start a, a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a wide receiver tight end, a tight end, a flex uh, we start a defensive tackle, to, uh, two defensive ends. We start a defensive flex. We start a, a defensive line, defensive back flex. We start three linebackers, two safeties, two cornerbacks, a kicker, a punter, and a head coach. So that's what we start in loaf. Uh, as just for a reference for the for tackling scoring, we do two for a solo tackle, one for one for a uh, assist tackle. We do PPR. We do a very generous return on return yards. Uh, running backs, we we inflate a little because we give uh, one point for every eight yards as opposed to every 10 yards. We also give uh, one point for every eight yards for kick returns, one point for every five yards for punt returns. So that's that's basically the quick summary of what we do in Loaf. It is super fun. Uh, it takes a lot of time. Our first and second round, we do four-year contracts in the draft. Our third and fourth round, we do three-year contracts. Five through eight is two-year contracts. So it's not quite a dynasty, but it's uh, I like to call it a franchise league. And that's basically the difference in loaf and everything else. Oh, and we give kickers five points per touchback. Wow, that is the quickest I've ever explained loaf to anyone. Yeah, that was very quick. Um, but it was concise. It, it was. But I do encourage any of your listeners um, – check it out you know there there's many leagues like it that are kind of set up <clears throat> we run it through espn so it's not insane um you know give, and give uh, whenever money. espn finally does allow uh, us to do track uh, pancake blocks and everything and uh um sacks given up we we will try to incorporate a couple offensive linemen too yeah give uh give leagues like wolf a shot uh you know, get get rid of your big money leagues. You don't need them. I know the thrill of being up there for winning the big money is cool, but how often are you actually winning it anyway? You give give a league like this a shot. You're gonna really. I mean, my football knowledge has grown greatly, and um, I think it's been fun. Well, and Honestly, with that said, makes- <laughs> we don't we don't have a spot for you immediately because we we still have a waiting list and. Uh, at most, it seems in the last couple of years, we've only had to replace one member in the off season. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, if you're looking to get, I would, I would definitely set up your own. If you, if you have uh, 12 friends that are committed to fantasy, it works best with uh, it works best as a 12 man league. We've ran it as a 10 and a 12 right. and it's very comfortable as a 12. That being said too, though, we do have a wait list. Um yeah, I mean, if you want a shot to be on the wait list, just message. Let me know. I'll give a complete stranger a shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, all you have to know about Wolf is, man, it's no joke. And I think what do we do, Jim? I'll take 
take a month off a year? Uh, we take roughly two months off. We start, mean, up yeah, after, you, you, start up after the draft. We open reopen trades and franchise tags. You, you can say two months, but trade talk starts about three seconds after trade trading closes. Well, not for me. I, I take a solid <laughs> month off. That was already covered in my uh, conversations with Dave Black. He's kind of like, no, you, you, it, your whole life needs to be about fantasy football. It needs to be forsake all else to, you know, to follow fantasy football. So uh, yeah, that's Dave. Black. I hope he listens. I hope he listens to this comment uh, because it's pretty sure that uh, Dave Black is is he a two time is he a two time semifinalist? Uh, Dave Black is uh, has not made the loaf playoffs yet. He is the yeah, only so, person uh, in the league who's never made the playoffs, besides a new member, the the Diddy. So, so maybe, uh, maybe Dave Black needs to take some time off fantasy football. Maybe he does. You, you know what it is that that month away from football just gives you some nice focus and it, you know, it deep cleansing, get the old out. Oh, Tom Brady won another Super Bowl. Oh, get the new yeah. in. Oh, Justin Herbert's the best thing since sliced bread. And um, don't forget to never call him Pat. His mother wants him that to be is... called Patrick. <laughs> and that's, that's how we're amazing. signing off tonight, guys. Call him Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it was fun talking to you, Josh. And uh, yeah, no, this was a ton of fun, man. So any final yeah, words? Man, or do we just want to leave it at that uh, call him Patrick. Yeah, I think we just sign off with the call him Patrick. All right. So one final time. He needs to be called Patrick.